today's show is a rebroadcast of a previous show. Wake up, boys, there's a light at the window. I can hear someone knocking on the door. There are voices in the street and the sound of running feet. And they whisper the word revolution. There are men coming down from the valleys. There are tall ships lying off the coast. And they carry the light in the dark of the night. Like a whisper in the wind Bring my gun and a handful of silver By the sea we will gather for the fight It's been so many years So many tears We have lost once before Now we'll sell the score When our cans will Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Armchair Survivalist. My name is Kurt Wilson. I'm the Armchair Survivalist, and today is May the 17th in the year 2020. Now, if you go to armchairsurvivalist.com and just scroll down, and you can see all the different ways to listen to me besides the one way you're using right now. If you have uh, one of them smartphones, you can download uh, different podcast venues, TuneIn, Stitcher, Anchor, iHeartRadio. Uh, I'm on YouTube. There's all kinds of places. I've got like 20 or so different podcast uh, apps you can put on your phone. You can also listen live in the chat room, armchairsurvivalist.com. At the top of the page, you'll see a link that says uh, listen live. <laughs> Just click on that, and you go into the chat room. You can listen. If you sign up in the chat room, well, then you can talk in there also, ask questions, answer questions. Most people just go in there and sit there and listen anyway. Uh, if you have a satellite system. I'm on Global Star 3 Satellite, Galaxy 19, Transponder 5, KU Band, Frequency 11836, Symbol Rate 20.765. And that's down there at the bottom of every page. You'll see this thing that says Ways to Listen in red. So there's a live feed right there you can click on 24-7. 
and listen to Global Star all the time if you want to. Also, you can call a number. It's area code 641-741-0371. Now, it's not toll-free. So, 641-741-0371. Now, if you missed the show and you want to hear the last show or the last few shows or or uh, anything like that, you just go to, on the left-hand side of the page, any of the Armchair Survivalist pages, you'll see the little white nipper dog listening to the RCE Victor gramophone. Click on that, and that'll take you to a spot that uh, page right there gives you all the different shows of the current year, and you just click on each one and listen to it, or you right-click on the target there. You'll see what I'm talking as. And I have it right here. It says, to save a show for later playback, right-click the player, then left-click Save Target As, and designate a location to save the show on. Most people just save Target As on their desktop. And then you can listen to it that way. I mean, there's all the different ways to it. You you know, you probably know more about this garbage than I do, because I don't. So anyway, those are all kinds of different ways you can listen to me. Now, I just sent out an email two days ago to all the customers that Survival Enterprises, my company, has. Uh, They're all concerned why we don't take credit cards either online now or in the store. I'm going to read you this email. We've been in business for over 35 years, offering to the public many different products. Some of our health products are so powerful and effective, we've even been mentioned in a few publications. One is Cancer Step Outside the Box by my friend and author, Ty Bollinger. I also talk about health products on my radio show, The Armchair Survivalist. After two years of research, we decided to carry CBD oil from the hemp plant. That was in 2018. We contracted with two farmers in the U.S., one Colorado, one in Kentucky. We've had thousands of customers praising the effectiveness of our CBD oil since that time, both for themselves and for their pets. For no reason told to us, our bank canceled our ability to take credit cards and debit cards about a year and a half ago. We simply found another processor. When I asked my bank, why would you guys cancel me? Well, we don't know. They just sent us an email saying, cancel this account. So we found another processor, and that lasted six months. And then, again, we were canceled, and no one seems to know why either. We went through another three credit or debit processors until we discovered the why behind this. I also discovered I was only one of thousands of companies nationwide being affected in this manner. This is a massive collusion instigated by Big Pharma with willing participation by the banking financial industry. Big pharmaceutical companies are the largest depositors in the banking system in the United States. The intent is to simply put all of us smaller businesses that sell health products, especially CBD products, out of business. And hundreds of us have already failed and quit. Survival Enterprises will not quit. As of December 10th, 2019, we haven't been able to even find another company that would work with us. We've tried a dozen times, but when it gets to the point that the processor discovers what we sell magically, they can't help us. When the plan to destroy America was concocted earlier this year and put into effect by the deep state, we refused to comply. We've remained open through all of fr- of this fraud and are still open. And we've been taking checks and cash <clears throat> only. If you order over the internet, we will contact you and we'll get your check information. Uh, we've been approved by our bank to take checks over the phone. They'll do that much for us. And then we just deposit that check. So you call us up on the phone, place an order, or you place an order online. We're going to call you back. And then we get your bank information. We, we print up a specialized check here in, in the office and then it's deposited in our bank. That's fine. No big deal. Uh, it clears. It takes about three to five days to clear, and then we ship your order. Some of you choose to mail in uh, uh, your order with cash or your check or money orders or things like that. That's fine. All that mail-in stuff is fine. 
We, Survival Enterprises, has been attacked by the FBI, the ATF, the Franchise Tax Board, the EPA, the FDA. Hell, just name an alphabet deep state agency, and, and I'm sure at least one time or another they tried to destroy us. They've never won. But now they discovered this backdoor manner to destroy a business, simply not allow them access to the credit system. We've been taking checks in our store as well, and cash, of course, but as many of us have had our income destroyed, checks have become problematic and have started to bounce. And I'll tell you personally, aside from the email I sent out, in the past month, we have at least one check returned every day. And most of the time, it's a mistake. As of today, though, our store in Hayden will only take cash, gold, silver, or a barter trade out if you want to work something out with us on products. We will not be taking credit cards or debit cards again. So that's very simple. No checks will be taken inside the store either. So again, you come into the store, you're going to be using cash, gold, silver, or we work out some kind of a barter thing. We're sorry if this is an inconvenience for you, but in this socialistic attempt to destroy all the small businesses in the U.S., Survival Enterprises will be the last dog out the door if we, if we have anything to say about it. Thanks for being our customer. We're here to help as long as we can. So that's the email I sent out to everybody to kind of explain why things are changing. So it's very simple. Internet orders, we'll take your check. We can do that over the phone or you can mail it into us. A money order is the same. Cash is the same. If you're going to mail cash, make sure you wrap it well in the envelope so people can hold it up to the light and go, oh, look, there's money in there. Just just be careful, okay? That's all. There's no, obviously, there's no guarantee cash will ever get to me. But in 35 years of business, we've never had one problem. Never. And for that matter, in 35 years of business, I might have had a total of one chargeback from a credit card per year, maybe. So this is the kind of crap that we have to put up with. At least at least we have a business. At least we're making money. Obviously, we've lost about 75% of our income, but we're still making money. And speaking of income, let's now get into the economy. The Federal Reserve Bank on Thursday reported exactly how unequally this coronavirus economic downturn is hitting Americans. The lower income people are getting slammed. We we all know that. 40% of those with a household income below 40000 a year reported job loss in March. We're talking about blue-collar workers. We're talking about people who work at Macy's or JCPenney's, GameStop stores or little stores like that. Even the employees from those little mom-and-pops places. 40% of them lost their jobs. The thing is, is that you're supposed to be getting an extra $600 a week. Now, for unemployment, you you file for unemployment, you're going to get your normal unemployment plus $600 a week, except that runs out uh, the end of July. So you'll be back in the same boat. So what's being hurt mostly here are the people, the the lower income people. And I I was uh, browsing around on the news last week, and I see this lady that was complaining because Uber, and she used to work for Uber, Uber laid off 3,500 people. Yeah, they didn't lay off. They fired them. 3,500 people. This this confused me. These aren't the drivers. These are the suits. These are the people running Uber. Thirty. How can you have 3,500 people who are of no consequence and you can fire them and not worry about running uh, your company? It's almost like the U.S. government. If you think it's bad here, in India, th- just last month, they lost 122 million jobs. 122 million. And another problem that we're having in the economy is that people people aren't choosing to go back to work. I have a, a friend downtown who has a salon, and she has four people that work for her. And she can go back to work as of, as of Saturday in um, Idaho or in Coeur d'Alene. I don't know if it's the whole state. 
Well, she called all four of them up, and all four of them say, "No, we we're making a hell of a lot more on unemployment now than we than we uh, can working for you." Well, now all she has to do is call up the unemployment office and say that they refuse their their job back and they lose their unemployment. So you can't play that game. I'm just word of warning, you guys. If any of you are out there saying, "Well, no, I'm making a lot of money now on unemployment. I don't want to go back to work." If you're called back and you don't go, you lose your unemployment. Now here here's the thing, and this is an article from uh, Trade Advisor in, in the uh, White House, and he was talking that Trump took three years to build this economy up to be the strongest ever in history and in the world, and it took the Chinese Communist Party 60 days to bring it down. I'll have a link next week. I, I picked up a, a little talk by a man and woman about who actually is he took down this, this economy. It, it's not the... Uh, it's not the Chinese communists, really, but I mean, this is what he was saying. The Chinese communists destroyed a whole U.S. economy in 60 days. It was uh, people, you know, you want to know who it is. You look around when you're out and about and look at the people wearing the masks. Those are the sheeple. Those are the ones that brought down the economy. Those are the ones that closed their business because they were afraid to stay open because they were sure they'd get diseased. We, I'm not kidding. We were up here. I'm up here in Coeur d'Alene. I went shopping yesterday. And here's this woman comes out of the store pushing a cart with gloves on and a mask and she pushes her food over to her car and she takes a plastic bag and opens her doors to her car with it. And I'm like, why the hell would she? She's afraid of disease. So what's happening is people are closing their business and they're not being told directly to do so. Up here, I, we chose not to close it. We said, you know what? Thank you for the uh, kind thoughts. Now go to hell. And we stayed open. It wasn't until a month later I discovered that we're an actual essential business. So <laughs> we stayed open anyway. I didn't care. You're not going to tell me to close my doors. I'm sorry. That just doesn't work. This is in Nazi Germany. And I've had four this week, four different people walk into the store, and all, all four of them owned a small business up here. And all four of them closed their business. And I said, why did you close? Did somebody come in the door and tell you to close? No, the, the governor told us to close. I said, you should have done like I did. Ignored him and stayed open. We had a friend of ours that runs a restaurant, and he stayed open. After about a month of him staying open, he just said, this is ridiculous, and he gave up because to it, he has a very high-class restaurant. How do you think it's going to look when everybody wears a mask in your restaurant? It looks like you're diseased. This is a thing. We are shutting this economy down. We did all this. There's no disease that did this. We did this. Of course, with the willing help of the communist leaders in the United States, you know, like Governor Cuomo and the rest of the so-called Democrat governors who have decided, let's do it finally. We're finally going to be able to destroy the economy. This ought to make Trump lose the election. So we'll destroy the economy in the United States and Trump will lose the election. That is like somebody on crack trying to explain E equals MC squared. They're going to destroy the economy and blame Trump. wonder how many people in the United States are stupid enough to believe that. Oh, I shouldn't have asked that question. All you got to look at are people wearing masks and the Democrats. And then you know how many people are stupid enough to believe that. Notice the cost of groceries. They've gone up more in the past week than they've gone up percentage-wise 46 years. And I, I, I said this is going to happen. And not just meat and, and uh, eggs. And it's, it's strange that there's this problem with eggs now. Of course, we're up in Idaho, northern Idaho, and we're kind of insulated from all of this stuff because most of the fresh food we buy up here is a local process. But the, the price of meats and eggs and fish and poultry rose about four, 
uh, depending where you are, from 4% to uh, 20%. I've seen 20% hikes, in, especially in California. Fruits and vegetables, uh, point and a half. Cereals and bakery products, about 3%. We are getting a lot of people up here, a lot of potato farmers. They just come into town, find a vacant corner, set up. They don't even sell their products. They say free potatoes, free onions, free whatever. And people show up, thank them donate some money to them and leave and pick them up you know i i've got about 20 pounds of potatoes now most of them are seed potatoes i can paint up i I can plant my whole backyard with seed potatoes right now there's so many of them out there people are just they they can't they're not going to plant them they're not going to plant them on all they're getting rid of them they don't have an option Uh, they they can't afford to plant them well here's another point we're we have been losing for the past 20 years uh farmland in the united states not by erosion but because other countries are buying it up. China is buying up the majority of food uh, food production in the United States, food lands in the United States, farms. There's about five thousand acres south of here that now belongs to, and, and they hide the name. They don't they don't use their name. This is a Chinaman buying this. No, this is this is uh, some other corporation buying it, and turns out that corporation is owned by China. And when I say China, I mean Chinese communist government. You don't own anything in China. The government owns it. This is what communism is. They let you have it for a while until they want it. If they want it, whatever it is, they'll say, now give that to me and you can't say anything because, well, if you did, they'd kill you. The Chinese government owns Smithfield Processing, meat processing. They're the largest meat processing uh, company in the United States. They do millions and millions of tons of pork a year. Now, we're having trouble getting pork in the United States, and I'm seeing this. I've gone to five different supermarkets here up in North Idaho, and it's that yes, they have restrictions on how much you can buy, but it's nothing there. There's like, there's nothing there. There's like four packages, and that's it. Except going to China, Smithfield is sending tons and tons and tons of pork to China. They're exporting our protein that's growing by U.S. farmers to uh, China. Just so you know, the Smithfield Foods is not a um, it's not a small company. When I say it's the largest meat processing company on earth, it's not just in the United States. I mean on earth. Because this company owns so many other companies. These Now remember, this is communist China. Every person in China is a communist. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no, but I'm a libertarian crap. If you're in China, it's because you're a communist. I can give you a, na- a list of names of companies that communists... The same people who own Smithfield own Ag Protein, Agri, Agri Plus, AgriVet, Animex Foods. I'm just going down this massive list that I have here. See if I can find some that people uh, understand. Oh, here's one: Armor, Eckrich Meats. They own Armor. Armor brands are owned by Communist Chinese Beef Liquidation Corporation, Best Solutions, Browns Realty, Cattle Inventory. Chief Milling Partners, Coldfield Investments, Crystal Peak Environmental, Cumberland Gap, Hickory Hills, Old Kentucky, Old English, Pine Mountain, Farmland Foods. See, this is what the Chinese did. This is known as insidious. In an evil manner, they've taken over production of a large percentage of food production in the United States. And it's not just the United States. See, here's how they do it. We want cheap, so we buy crap from China. And then because we buy so much crap from China... The Chinese government is getting rich. So they use their money to fund their military, which is not measured in millions, but billions of people. 
They also go out into other countries and buy major production parts. Also, in the United States, it's it's farmland and uh, meat processing. In Canada, it's gold. They're buying major gold fields now up in Canada. Let's see. Now, you know what's funny? when this Maybe it's not so funny. When this first started, when this uh, Wuhan virus thing first hit, I had a massive, massive segment on on uh, the, under the Wuhan because you know I have different segments: economy, food and health, Wuhan, liberal psychosis. You know, well now Wuhan is the smallest one, and government threat is the largest. But let's get into the Wuhan one now. Everybody's screaming about how many people are dying in their country, and the UK is is the same as everyone else. So, so many people dying in the UK. Do you know that the UK never closed the borders? They never closed their borders. They never monitored or stopped flights into the UK. Millions of communist Chinese landed there, more Muslim invaders, and they're they're still doing it. Now, in New York City, and I mentioned this, I I didn't talk too much about it, but I mentioned it when I was talking about my friend who's a mortician in in, uh, Florida. 66% of the people that are being uh, put into the hospital in New York State are the ones that have been staying at home. They've been staying at home, and because of that, they're getting infected. 66% of the people that are going into the hospital were infected in their home. Now, I recall also a month or two ago, one of the managers of Tyson was being interviewed on a, a farm channel. I get up about four in the morning sometimes and I watch those. And he said, yeah, we got about 200 people that are infected in our plant. And the problem is, uh, they is, is what they do at home. And the, and the reporter goes, what, what do you mean what they do at home? So, well, these people have no hygiene. They have no hygiene sense whatsoever. They have three families living under one roof. They do what they want, when they want, the way they want, and the hell with anything else that has to do with, with uh, reality or being in America. That same plant had over 80 different languages that were being spoken there. And I've told you this before. The Muslims and the Mexicans are the two of the that of of uh, the races that lack hygiene like you would not believe. Muslims actually wipe them their their butts with their left hand. You can look it up yourself if you don't believe me. And the Mexicans and I and I hate to use generalities with this but I have to. Mexicans are very unhygienic. If they remember they might wash their hands after they're done using the bathroom. If now I've met Mexicans that were extremely hygienic, more so even than I am. But that might be like five percent. So you have these two races that are working in most of the meat plants, and when they go home at night, they don't give a damn about rules. They don't care that they have to wear a mask at work. They don't care because they go home and they do whatever they want, and then they pass the disease on. And this is what's happening. And this is happening in the majority of the world. You're not picking up this disease by going outside, by going to a business or something. You're picking it up at home because you're not hygienic. Just normal hygiene, for crying out loud. I've been to homes of people who haven't they haven't vacuumed in two or three months. And I can blow on their floor, and there will be not dust bunnies, but dust monkeys jumping around. And this is what this guy mentioned. He said, that, you know, this, it's what these people are doing at home. It's because they are not taught in their society how to be hygienic. And then they come back to work, and they claim that they picked the disease up here. We know better, but we can't say better because it's not politically correct. Now, speaking of masks, the Surgeon General of the United States came out and said that masks will increase your infection rate if you're not uh, sick. He, I, I watched the interview with him. He said, look, what happens with a mask? And I watched this. Fauci was being, uh, he, he, Trump was doing a speech and there was all these, all the experts behind Trump and there was Fauci fiddling with his mask. And the Surgeon General said, 
you're you're going to raise your possibility of infection because you will be fiddling with your mask. I think he said 23 times an hour, as long as you're wearing the mask. He said, if you're not sick, you don't need the mask. Fauci said exactly the same thing. There's a lot of confusion among people and misinformation surrounding face masks. Can you discuss that? The masks are important for someone who's infected to prevent them from infecting someone else. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill. The people who, when you look at the films of foreign countries and you see 85% of the people wearing masks, that's fine. I'm not against it. If you want to do it, that's fine. But it can lead to a shortage of masks. Exactly. That's the point. It could lead to a shortage of masks for the people who really need it. Now, many of you are not going to remember this, but when I was a kid, there was a big push up to uh, cure polio, uh, which we pretty much did in the United States. But there were a lot of people who were having uh, very, very big problems taking the, the vaccine. So they created a, not really a pill, they just decided that they could take a special form of the vaccine and put a drop of it on a sugar cube and then give it to you and let you suck on it and eat this is the sugar cube and now you're inoculated. Well, apparently there's a company that's using that same concept about vaccine for this, uh, this, this Wuhan virus. And it, they won't, you won't have to get an injection, it'll just be a tablet. So it's a food grade type of thing. And when I read this, I'm thinking, you know, that reminds me of when I was a kid and I had that polio vaccine on a sugar cube. And then I realized if this is food grade, if this can be taken into your intestines and administered, what's to stop them from either chemtrailing it and dropping it all over the world or just putting it in a water supply? Okay, so if you go to armchairsurvivalist.com, any of the pages, you'll see on the left-hand side, show notes, a link. If you click on that, it'll take you to a page that gives you the, the, the list of all the different shows that I've done the current year. If you click on any of the dates of those shows, it will take you to a specialized page that has all of the notes that I talk about where I get all of my information. And you can click on the link that talks to you about this tablet vaccine and how it's going to a human trial real quick. All right, now we're getting into the liberal psychosis. I've said this for decades We have been invaded by the enemy, and the enemy is communist Chinese. People have this weird idea that just because a guy is Chinese doesn't mean he's not the enemy. Or a guy is Chinese, so he might or might not be a communist. No, I'm sorry. Every person from China is a communist. And we let them in our country, and then we hire them into positions of importance, especially if they're trained academic of some kind. I don't know how many times I've looked in the news and seen... How somebody at Los Alamitos uh, nuclear test ground is arrested for transferring state secrets to Chinese communist agents. Or how a professor somewhere is caught funding terrorist organizations. Or, I don't know, years ago my uncle worked at worked in a, a very famous secretive laboratory, Livermore. And he had a, a professor that worked with him, with him. They were working on some kind of program, and it turned out this guy was taking all the work home and photocopying it 
at night at his house, he had a $20,000 Xerox machine in his front room, and he was using that to photocopy everything. And then uh, he, he would take the photocopies and reduce them in microfilm, and then he would simply mail them to his communist masters or whatever you want to call it, handlers. And I don't understand why we keep allowing this to happen over and over and over and over again. A, a professor in Arkansas, an engineering professor, the University of Arkansas, he's been arrested by the FBI and he's facing 20 years in prison for hiding funding that he received from the communist Chinese government. Now, you, you, you hear all of this stuff. You, you read this little article and then you hear about another one and then you hear about another one. And you, they don't tell you that, that these people are Chinese. You have to find it out. And this is happening all over the United States. We have Chinese from China. They come from China, and they're here for 20 years, and all of a sudden they get a job at a nuclear power plant, at a Vista Utilities, at a water treatment plant. I mean, they get into positions of power, and then things go sideways, and we find out about it by accident, and we just don't learn. At least the people that rule us don't learn, or maybe they don't want to learn. Maybe this is part of the plan. San Antonio. San Antonio is uh, is like a separate country inside of Texas. It has nothing but communists running it. They just passed a, a resolution declaring the word Chinese virus or Kung flu virus or Wuhan virus to be hate speech. It's hate speech. So Facebook now, now remember, we're under the uh, category of liberal psychosis. So this is what we're talking about now. So Facebook, Facebook came out and said that big tech is essential, essential to free speech. So the head of Facebook is saying, we are essential to free speech because we promote free speech. As I understand your background, you're not a Republican, and, and, and nor are you a conservative. Is that accurate? That would be an understatement. And, in, and indeed, you're the former editor-in-chief of Psychology Today. Correct. So you're a respected academic. You testified before this committee that Google's manipulation of votes gave at least 2.6 million additional votes to Hillary Clinton in the year 2016. Is that correct? That's correct. I want to make sure I understand. You personally supported and voted for Hillary Clinton. I was a very strong public supporter of Hillary Clinton, yes. So you're not dismayed that people voted for her, but your testimony is that Google is, through bias in search results, manipulating voters in a way they're not aware of. On a massive scale. And what I'm saying is that I believe in democracy, I believe in the free and fair election, more than I have any kind of allegiance to a candidate or a party. And looking forward, if I understood your testimony correctly, you said in subsequent elections, Google and Facebook and Twitter and big tech manipulation could manipulate as many as 15 million votes in a subsequent election? In 2020, if all these companies are supporting the same candidate, there are 15 million votes on the line that can be shifted without people's knowledge and without leaving a paper trail for authorities to trace. Now, now you described the go vote reminder and you said it wasn't a public service announcement, but rather manipulation. Can you explain how? I'm not sure everyone followed the details of that. If on election day in 2016, if Mark Zuckerberg, for example, had chosen to send out a go vote reminder just to Democrats, and no one would have known if he had done this, that would have given that day an additional at least 450,000 votes to Democrats. And we know this without doubt because of Facebook's own published data, because they did an experiment that they didn't tell anyone about during the 2010 election. They published 
published it in 2012, it had 60 million Facebook users involved. They sent out a go vote reminder and they got something like 360,000 more people to get off their sofas and go vote who otherwise would have stayed home. The point is, I don't think that Mr. Zuckerberg sent out that reminder in 2016. I think he was overconfident. I think Google, Google was overconfident. They, all these companies were. I don't think he sent that out without monitoring systems in place. We'll never know what these companies are doing. But the point is, in 2018, I'm sure they were more aggressive. We have lots of data to support that. And in 2020, you can bet that all of these companies are going to go all out. And the methods that they're using are invisible. They're subliminal. They're more powerful than most any effects I've ever seen in the behavioral sciences. And I've been in the behavioral sciences for almost 40 years. You know, our Democratic colleagues on this committee often talk about what they view as the pernicious effect of big money and big corporate dollars. What you are testifying to is that a handful of Silicon Valley billionaires and giant corporations are able to spend millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars collectively, massively influencing the results of elections. And there's no accountability. You said we have no way of knowing if Google or Facebook or Twitter sends it sends it to Democrats or Republicans or how they bias it because it's a black box with no transparency or accountability whatsoever. I mean, am I understanding you correctly? Senator, with respect, I must correct you. Please. If Mark Zuckerberg chooses to send out a go vote reminder just to Democrats on election day, that doesn't cost him a dime. Do you happen to know who the Hillary Clinton campaign's number one financial supporter was in the year 2016? I think I do, but please remind me. The number one financial supporter of the Hillary Clinton campaign in the 2016 election was the parent company of Google, Alphabet, who was our first witness. They were her number one financial donor, and your testimony is, through their deceptive search methods, they moved 2.6 million votes in her direction. I would think anybody, whether or not you favor one candidate or another, should be deeply dismayed about a handful of Silicon Valley billionaires having that much power over our elections to silently and deceptively shift votes outcomes. Again, with respect, I must correct you. The 2.6 million is a rock bottom minimum. The range is between 2.6 and 10.4 million, depending on how aggressively they used the techniques that I've been studying now for six and a half years, such as the search engine manipulation effect, the search suggestion effect, the answer bot effect, and a number of others. They control these and no one can counteract them. These are not competitive These are tools that they have at their disposal exclusively. And then the next article here is talking about how Facebook has decided that it's going to uh, go through all of its millions and millions of pages and delete every hateful meme. What is a meme? A meme is a funny cartoon that somebody takes a picture of and maybe has a statement there and then posts it on the Internet. Like I saw one, uh, remember the the, uh, Spartan? muscle guy with a Spartan sword and they interposed Trump's head onto it. Did a good job. Made it look like it was Trump. That's a meme. So Facebook is going to going to uh, delete all of these, these hateful memes. And it's up to them, of course, to determine what's hateful. Now, Kansas City, Kansas City is another part of the United States that is like its own little country because it's ruled by communists. The city has demanded that when people uh, uh, attend church there, the ministers are to turn over the names, addresses, and phone numbers of everybody. Let's see, they're going to trace them. Let's see, Twitter, 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 Twitter is going to censor 
all of the so-called conspiracy theories about COVID-19. Isn't that neat? And we need uh, we need big tech because it's essential for free speech. Here's the definition of not free speech. This is a this is a attack dog from CNN. Uh, his name is uh, Stelter, and he he comes out and he was telling he was talking about the obsession obsession that conservatives have with this Russian probe. But we have an obsession with the Russia probe. But but what he has is not considered an obsession. So disappointing to look at what we're seeing from right-wing media these days, where there's such an obsession with the deep state and these uh, revelations about the Russia probe. <laughs> Latest on the Robert Mueller Russia investigation. Mueller investigation. The Russian investigation. Trump's Russia ties. And Robert Mueller. The real Russia story. Russia probe. The ongoing Russia probe. The Russia probe. The Russian investigation. But Mueller and the Russia probe. Russia synergies. They wonder if Russia has compromising information on the president. What is the source for the president's claim that they have found no collusion with Russia? He misspelled collusion. Every day we're trying to keep track of the drip, drip, drip of the Russia investigation. Drip, 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 Trump and Russia to see whether Trump was secretly working for Russia. To bring it back to Russia and Russia and Russia, 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 Robert Mueller, Robert Mueller, special counsel, Robert Mueller, Robert Mueller, Robert Mueller, Robert Mueller, Robert Mueller, Robert Mueller, Mueller investigation, Mueller report, Russia conspiracy. Do you believe that he's colluding with Russia? I wish I could just say no. He's definitely not. That's crazy. By the way, I saw an interesting article. I don't know if you read it. I don't know if it went very far. That Mexico discovered a way to handle all of this problem with their 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 illegal aliens and the possibility of uh, the virus, the Wuhan virus, spreading in the jails and and uh, holding pens that they that Mexico keeps their illegal aliens in. They just sent them all back. Everyone. They just sent everybody back. Said out, go back, run, get out of here. So Mexico sent them all back. Now we're going under the government threat, and this is the thing that's going to start this the new civil war when it pops up. And it's gonna we don't we don't know where it's gonna pop up. It's gonna pop up somewhere where somebody's finally had enough of this crap. Uh, let's see, Georgia. Georgia says they're going door to door doing blood tests to make sure people are are healthy or to find out who isn't healthy. Now that apparently they're not gonna go every door, they'll indiscriminately choose certain houses and apartments to go to to do a blood test. That'll work. Yeah. We have a communist uh, governor just west of me in the state of Washington named, named Inslee. Inslee thinks he's Kumo, and he thinks he's God Almighty. He comes up with ideas that are insane, and he has just now come up with uh, tracing. His idea of tracing is not going to be fun. I have a copy of the bill that, that uh, he put forward. A local health officer at their discretion may issue an emergency detention order causing a person or group of persons to be immediately detained for purposes of isolation or quarantine. I'm not going to read more on that. You got what I said. He issued an order that you can be forcibly quarantined. You can be forcibly removed from your house. Or if you choose to not quarantine, if you choose not to go, then um, what he is saying also for those individuals that refuse to cooperate with contact tracers, and these are the brown shirts that are going to be going door to door, and they're going to be checking your temperature, and they're going to be asking you some, some questions. And if you refuse to, co- to cooperate with them or refuse testing, you will not be allowed to leave your home to purchase basic necessities such as groceries and or prescriptions. So this communist bastard is threatening the state of Washington with forced detention. 
Ventura County in California came right out and said he's going to track down, track down anyone who uh, is sick and we're going to detain them. Well, actually, he used the word hunt down. If you want to open up your business in Kansas, this is that uh, communist country within a country, you're going to you're going to have to track everyone who comes in. So everybody walks in your door. You got to get their name, address, phone number. Those are the three things that I know about: name, address, and phone number. As a matter of fact, this Washington Washington uh, quarantine order lifting order thing from Inslee, he says, yeah, restaurants can open up in a, in a week or so, and you will be taking everybody's name, address, and phone number. Oh, and email uh, address. So if you walk into a restaurant in the state of Washington, you're going to have to fill out a form to eat there. I wonder how well that's going to go over. I can tell you one thing. It is definitely not going to go over here in the state of Idaho. It might be in southern Idaho because we don't really consider that Idaho. That's nothing more than northern California. New Orleans restaurants and stores are going to have to track customers. You're going to have to pay it. You're going to have to fill out a form if you want to go into a store or a restaurant in New Orleans. Now, you know what's funny is that there's so many similar rules by all of these governors. It's almost as if why they all get together every day or or a couple times a week or something like that. Kind of like what I said a few times already. And then there are experts that say this is what has to be done. Bill Gates is one of them. The director of the World Health Organization, who is not even a doctor or medically trained, he's another one. And he tells them what they need to do. California is hiring contact tracers. Now, remember this thing, this con- this concept of contact tracing. I got a phone call two weeks ago from a clinic that I go to now and then, and they were offering me a free service. And I said, well, what is this thing? She said, well, what it is, is a person who's going to call you or come over to your home at least once a week to see how you're doing. Really? Is that free? She goes, oh, yes, yeah, that's free, that's free. I go, well, why would I need that? Well, you're old. And old people need to be watched and cared for. And I can hear in her voice, she just they want to keep tabs on me and see how, if I'm infected or diseased yet. And I said, well, I, I don't know. I'll read about it. I'll let you know. And I, gotta, I found out how they're going to be tracking you. You've heard about in China. Everybody gets tracked in China. Apple and Android and Google are going to go together and they're going to be having updates on your phones. Now, if you have Android phone, you'll get the COVID-19 tracking updates if you go to Google Play, if you go to Google Play and install any program on an Android phone, you're going to be also be installing the tracking update. This is the this is the globalist attempt at tracking you exactly like they do in China. Now, this is from Google Play for Android. Now, for for uh, Apple programs or Apple phones and Apple, not just Apple phones, but and not just Android phones, but also uh, Android tablets. And anything that's Android and anything that's Apple. As soon as you upload a program of any kind to them, boom, now you're being tracked. So this would be a great time to get a flip phone. Now, they're still out there. And I, I will have links to these so you can understand exactly what's be, what's going to be going on. Now, this contact tracing data, this, really, I'm, you know, I'm serious. The government works like this. Guy comes to you and says, hi, my, my name's Fred Lipschitz. I'm with the U.S. government. I'm here to slit your throat. Now, give me your knife, please. And that's what we do. We give them the tools and the, and the weapons and the ammunition to destroy us. So we're going to be tracked. This contact tracing data that the governments are accumulating will be sent to the World Health Organization and all law enforcement agencies as well. Here's the worst part than that. Department of Homeland Security has decided to 
to store all of its biometric biometric data on Amazon Cloud. Now, what is a cloud? If you don't know, uh, that's that's uh, Latin for somebody else's server or somebody else's hard drive. Like I've got a cloud right here, sitting right in front of me. I call it my laptop, but it could be called a cloud if somebody accessed it and stored something on it. So the Department of Homeland Security, which gets all of this biometric data and is tracking data, is going to be storing it on a cloud. Cloud are hacked on a daily basis. But it's not as bad as China yet. See, in China, you have your phone. Everybody's mandated to have a cell phone. Everybody. And you have your tracking data on that cell phone so the government knows where you are and when you are and how long you're there. And if you go to walk into a business, your phone will light up either green or red, stating that you have the right to go into that business. Or, no, you can't go in there because you had a temperature two days ago. It's not as bad here yet. Michael Ryan, who is a high-ranking member of the World Health Organization, stated in a press briefing how the WHO, which is, of course, in the pocket of Bill Gates, now believes that it's time for authorities to start entering people's homes and removing people from their homes. That ability not only to isolate cases, but to rapidly detect illness in the context and remove those contacts should they become sick was a central part of that. They're using apps now to do that. They didn't do it with apps in Singapore. They did that with community workers, with public health workers, visiting the houses, checking on people, checking their health status every day and saying, how are you? Have you got a fever? Have you got a cough? And if a contact has developed a cough or a fever, they were taken immediately for testing. So yes, we need the information technology tools they help public health practitioners doctors nurses community workers working with communities to detect cases at community level and the most likely person to become a case is someone who's been a significant contact of another case and at the moment in most parts of the world due to lockdown most of the transmission that's actually happening in many countries now is happening in the household at family level transmission has been taken off the streets and pushed back into family units now we need to go and look in families to find Find those people who may be sick and remove them and isolate them in a, in a safe and dignified manner. Now, I know that many people here, especially in the United States, think that this could never happen. Probably those same people who thought that just a couple months ago that it would be impossible for the entire country to be placed on lockdown because people wouldn't put up with it because we have rights, right? Now, this is being said as we are still on lockdown. Now, for those of you who cannot wait for the government to lift the lockdowns, as many states say they're preparing to do. Remember, we're being told that things will not go back to normal until there is a vaccine and the entire planet has largely been vaccinated, according to Bill Gates. You know, you don't get to ignore what's going on here. There will be the ability, particularly in rich countries, to open up if things are done well over the next few months. But for the world at large, normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. We have also been told about how we must embrace this new normal. Part of that new normal is contact tracing. That sounds normal enough, right? Or at least harmless. Kind of like how the Patriot Act sounds harmless or how Operation Iraqi Freedom may have sounded like a good thing to many people, despite the fact that it was a war of aggression based on lies, which resulted in the deaths of over a million people. But hey, it had the word freedom in it, right? If we do not learn from history, we are doomed to repeat it. 
Just because they put nice language around it doesn't make it a good thing. So what exactly is contact tracing? Well, according to California Governor Newsom, contact tracing combined with expanded testing is a pillar of the state's modified stay-at-home order. The goal is to track and trace every person in the state who may have been exposed, then quickly isolate and test them. So in other words, the state cannot open up without contact tracing, and only then it would be a modified stay-at-home order, not actually removing the lockdown in its entirety, hence the new normal. Limited lockdowns. How are they going to accomplish this? In their own words, California is building an army of 20,000 people. This escalated from reports of 10,000 people just about a week ago, who will be trained as disease detectives, serving 6-12 to month long gigs, as they call them, that demand skills ranging from data entry to psychology to project management and crisis intervention. Saying that the state is providing a, quote, customer service. While others may see this as customer service, some will call it the new secret police. California will serve as the test pilot for this program, which looks to expand nationwide and serve as the template for the entire country. Have a listen for yourself from officials in Ventura County, California. We are beginning a program today, and it's a pilot program, which will certainly grow into something larger and larger, and that is a community contact tracing program. A contact is a person who's been exposed to someone that we document to have the COVID infection. When we find someone who has a COVID infection, those people are immediately isolated, but we also work with them to figure out who their contacts were. Uh, But the purpose of this program is to bring on people. We're going to start with 10 people. We may bring on up to 50 or even more as the program grows and as we see the needs for it. As we do more testing, we will find more and more people who have COVID-19. And again, we'll isolate every one of them and we will find every one of their contacts and we will make sure that they stay quarantined and we'll check in with them every day. And this is occurring in many, many other states as well, perhaps all of the states in our country. Is it just me or does this sound an awful lot like what the World Health Organization official was just suggesting or dictating about a month ago? Do you see where this is going? Did you not just hear them say with their own mouths that they intend to remove people from their homes, presumably against their will? Uh, Welcome to the new normal. Welcome to COVID-1984. Will you just comply when they show up at your home to remove your wife or your children? After all, they're going to tell you it's for the greater good. We have something called politicians here. And they're, uh, we have one that says, this guy is an insane black, he's a racist. He hates whites. He's a Democrat, Bobby Rush, Representative Bobby Rush. I've talked about him before. He's, he's wacko. He wants, to, he put forward a bill. Uh, you'll love this. It's HR, House Resolution 6666, which pretty much gives the U.S. government the complete right and ability to track us in millions of different ways we've not even dreamed up yet. I don't know how far that's going to go. The, the fact that we've allowed this kind of insanity to, to come into this nation just shocks me. It doesn't shock me that it's a Democrat doing it because they're the ones that do all of this evil crap. With the help of these Republicans that used to be Democrats but now call themselves Republicans because no Republican was running for that office. Google is donating 10,000 cameras to hospitals. They're, they're part of the Nest security system. So this is on the cloud again. So Google is donating 10,000 cameras to hospitals. Now, what, what, what happens with these cameras? 
why you can access them on your cell phone and see in present time exactly what's going on. But it's all being stored on the cloud for access at a later time by all law enforcement agencies worldwide, Department of Homeland Security, World Health Organization. And this is where they can accumulate so much personal biodata that it's astounding. So everybody who walks by one of those cameras in any hospital that they're in, they're going to be videotaped and they're going to be copied and uh, their their uh, face recognition is going to be going into the system. Here's a thing that I th- I'm finding extremely stupid. Governor Cuomo ordered nursing homes in New York to accept patients that test positive with the Wuhan virus. And I'm finding the same exact thing happening all through the United States where there's Democrats as governors. They're ordering nursing homes to take sick patients in. So even if you're skeptical of social distancing and masks, even if you believe the mass quarantines we're living under are insane and counterproductive, and of course they are, it should be pretty obvious that you want to keep sick people away from places where there are a lot of elderly people nursing homes specifically. In the state of New York, though, the governor, Andrew Cuomo, did the opposite. Nursing homes were required under the Cuomo administration to admit people infected with coronavirus. Now, 5,000 or more nursing home residents in New York have died of the virus. 5,000. That's more deaths than any other state except New Jersey. And that's just in nursing homes. Nicole Maliotakis is a New York Assemblywoman and congressional candidate. She joins us to consider what is a growing scandal in New York. Nicole, thanks so much for coming on. Why would they do this? Well, thank you, Tucker, for exposing this because it is truly an outrage. On March 24th, Governor Cuomo said, my mother is not expendable, your mother is not expendable, and yet the very next day, he signs an executive order mandating nursing homes where our most vulnerable mothers and fathers reside to accept COVID-positive patients. And now, as you mentioned, there are 5,000 residents of nursing homes or patients that have been put into nursing homes that have died, which account for 25% of the deaths in the state of New York and 30% of the deaths in the community that I represent. I believe that we need to have an independent investigation and we cannot trust the state of New York to do an independent investigation. I know the governor's called on the attorney general to do so, but this is the attorney general that he handpicked in a special election to be the candidate. So, I mean, we we have to have a federal investigation. That would be the only way we get an actual, true independent investigation to take a look at what exactly occurred here. And I could tell you something else, Tucker, because I've been on the ground with these yeah. nursing homes and they did not have the proper PPE, the proper protective equipment to care for these individuals. So not only did the governor mandate that they accept COVID positive, but then he didn't even provide the proper protective equipment to keep them safe and stop the spread from within the nursing homes. And we had pushed it's him bizarre. on this. We said at least mandate the local municipalities to provide this protective equipment. So I, I, I knew Cuomo he was HUD secretary in the 90s under Clinton. He's an extremely political person, very politically calculating, not stupid either. You're in politics. Really quickly, what was the political calculation in this decision? There must have been one. Look, to be honest, I don't know what the calculation was at that time. All I can tell you is that it doesn't make any sense when all of us are saying that our most vulnerable, most affected by COVID to put them in the nursing homes. My colleagues and I were scrambling for protective equipment to get to the nurses at these nursing homes because the city and the state were not providing an adequate supply. 
alive. But what I can tell you is yeah. just two days later on the 27th, he let uh, 1,100 parolees, that people that broke parole, to be released from the prisons. So what shows you is his priorities, that he cared more of about course. protecting the interests of these 1,100 criminals than he did for our elderly. And that is absolutely outrageous, Tucker. Because they're just American citizen taxpayers. They're not criminals or vagrants or illegal aliens. So, like, who cares about them? Shut up and pay the bills. That's their view. Here's the thing that's got me confused. An article comes out that says Trump is going to name a vaccine czar. This is somebody who's going to help get the get the vaccine moving uh, as quickly as possible so that all America can be vaccinated. See, I I had thought that Trump was was against vaccinations. Of I don't know. Maybe I didn't read things right, but the, the Department of Defense is come out and they're going to be buying 500 million syringes. Now, these aren't just going to be syringes with the the vaccine, whatever that's going to be in them. They're also going to have an RFID in them so that when you're injected, this RFID tag, it's very, very small. It's it's smaller than, than, it's like small as a third a grain of rice. I mean, it's really, really small. But but anybody can take a reader and run it across your body or, or you can walk through a reader like a metal detector and it'll say, oh, yeah, this person got the vaccine. So this person can come in here. How how could anything go wrong with that? But I'll have a link to it, and you can check it out yourself to find out what I'm talking about. But it's going to be, um, well, now, who would ever think of something like that? You know, put an RFID tracker in somebody's bloodstream to where they could uh, alert the business or the restaurant that, yes, I've had the vaccine, or no, I haven't had the vaccine. You know, a lot of the communists out there, New York Times, for one, is very, very worried that over 50% of the people in the United States will refuse the vaccine. Now, where where would anybody get the idea to refuse to take a vaccine? The flu season is upon us. Which type will we worry about this year? And what kind of shots will we be told to take? Remember the swine flu scare of 1976? That was the year the U.S. government told us all that swine flu could turn out to be a killer that could spread across the nation. And Washington decided that every man, woman, and child in the nation should get a shot to prevent a nationwide outbreak, a pandemic. Well, 46 million of us obediently took the shot. And now 4,000 Americans are claiming damages from Uncle Sam amounting to $3.5 billion because of what happened when they took that shot. By far the greatest number of the claims, two-thirds of them, are for neurological damage or even death allegedly triggered by the flu shot. We pick up the story back in 1976 when the threat posed by the swine flu virus seemed very real indeed. This virus was the cause of a pandemic in 1918 and 1919 that resulted in over half a million deaths in the United States, as well as 20 million deaths around the world. See how easy it is to... Thus, the U.S. government's publicity machine was cranked into action to urge all America to protect itself against the swine flu menace. Influenza is serious business. During major flu epidemics, millions of people are sick and thousands die. Well, this year you can get protection. The vaccines are safe, easy to take, and they can protect you against flu. So roll up your sleeve. Protect yourself. One of those who did roll up her sleeve was Judy Roberts. She was perfectly healthy, an active woman, when in November of 1976, she took her shot. Two weeks later, she says, she began to feel a numbness starting up her leg. I joked about it at that time. I said, I'll be numb to the knees by Friday as this keeps up. By the following week, I was totally paralyzed. So completely paralyzed, in fact, that they had to operate on her to enable her to breathe. And for six months, Judy Roberts was a quadriplegic. The diagnosis? A neurological disorder called Guillain-Barre syndrome, GBS for short. 
Judy Roberts' paralysis confined her mostly to a wheelchair for over a year. But this disease can even kill. Indeed, there are 300 claims now pending from the families of GBS victims who died, allegedly as a result of the swine flu shot. In other GBS victims, the crippling effects diminish and all but disappear. But for Judy Roberts, progress back to good health has been painful and partial. Now, I notice that your smile, Judy, is a little bit constricted. Yes, it is. Is it different from what it used to be? Very different. I have uh, a greatly decreased mobility in my lips. I can't drink through a straw on the right-hand side. I can't blow out birthday candles. I don't whistle anymore, for which my husband is grateful. Have you recovered as much as you are going to recover? Yes, this is it. So you will now have a legacy of braces on your legs for the rest of your life? Yes, the weakness in my hands will stay and the leg braces will stay. So Judy Roberts and her husband have filed a claim against the U.S. government. Judy, why did you take the flu shot? I'd never taken any other flu shots, but I felt like this was going to be a major epidemic. And the only way to prevent a major epidemic of a, a really deadly variety of flu was for everybody to be immunized. Where did this so-called deadly variety of flu, where did it first hit back in 1976? It began right here at Fort Dix in New Jersey in January of that year when a number of recruits began to complain of respiratory ailments, something like the common cold. An army doctor here sent samples of their throat cultures to the New Jersey Public Health Lab to find out just what kind of bug was going around here. One of those samples was from a private day David Lewis, who had left his sickbed to go on a forced march. Private Lewis had collapsed on that march, and his sergeant had revived him by mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. But the sergeant showed no signs of illness. A few days later, Private Lewis died. If this disease is so potentially fatal that it's going to kill a young, healthy man, a middle-aged schoolteacher doesn't have a prayer. The New Jersey lab identified most of those soldiers' throat cultures as the normal kind of flu virus going around that year, but they could not make out what kind of virus was in the culture from the dead soldier and from four others who were sick. So they sent those cultures to the Federal Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia for further study. A few days later, they got the verdict. Swine flu. But that much publicized outbreak of swine flu at Fort Dix involved only Private Lewis, who died, and those four other soldiers who recovered completely without the swine flu shot. If I had known at that time that the boy had been in a sickbed, got up, went out on a forced march, and then collapsed and died. I would never have taken a shot. The rationale for our recommendation was not on the basis of the death of uh, a single individual, but it was on the basis that when we do see a change in the characteristics of the influenza virus, it is a massive uh, public health problem in this country. Dr. David Sensor, then head of the CDC, the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, is now in private industry. He devised the swine flu program and he pushed it. You began to give flu shots to the American people in October of 76. October 1st. By that time, how many cases of swine flu around the world had been reported? There had been uh, several reported, but none confirmed. There had been cases in uh, Australia that were reported by the press. There were cases in... Uh, none confirmed. Did you ever uncover any other outbreaks of swine flu anywhere in the world... Now, nearly everyone was to receive the shot in a public health facility where a doctor might not be present. Therefore, it was up to the CDC to come up with some kind of official consent form, giving the public all the information it needed about the swine flu shot. This form stated that the swine flu vaccine had been tested. What it didn't say was that after those tests were completed, the scientists developed another vaccine, and that was the one given to most of the 46 million who took the shot. That vaccine was called X53A. Was X53A? ever field tested? 
I can't say. I would have to... Uh, it wasn't. I don't know. Well, I would think that you're in charge of the program. I would have to check uh, the records. I haven't uh, looked at this in some time. The information form, the consent form, was also supposed to warn people about any risks of serious complications following the shot. But did it? No, I had never heard of any reactions other than a sore arm, fever, this sort of thing. Judy Roberts' husband, Gene, also took the shot. Yes, I looked at that document. I signed it. Nothing on there said I was going to have a heart attack or I'd get Guillain-Barre, which I never heard of. What if people from the government, from the Center for Disease Control, what if they had indeed known about it? What would be your feeling? They should have told us. Did anyone ever come to you and say, you know something, fellas? There's the possibility of neurological damage if you get into a mass immunization program. No. No one ever did? No. Do you know Michael Hatwick? Yes. Mm -hmm. Dr. Michael Hatwick directed the surveillance team for the swine flu program at the CDC. His job was to find out what possible complications could arise from taking the shot and to report his findings to those in charge. Did you know ahead of time, Dr. Hatwick, that there had been case reports of neurological disorders, neurological illness, apparently associated with the injection of influenza vaccine? Absolutely. You did? Yes. How'd you know that? By review of the literature. So you told your superiors, the men in charge of the swine flu immunization program, about the possibility of neurological disorders? Absolutely. What would you say if I told you that your superiors say that you never told them about the possibility of neurological complications? That's nonsense. I can't believe that they would say that they did not know that there were neurological illnesses associated with influenza vaccination. That simply is not true. We did know that. I've said that Dr. Hatwick had never told me of his feelings on this subject. Well, then he's lying. I guess you would have to um, make that assumption. Then why does this report from your own agency, dated July 1976, list neurological complications as a possibility? I think the consensus of uh, the scientific community was that the evidence relating neurologic disorders to influenza immunization uh, was such that they did not feel that this association was a real one. You didn't feel it was necessary to tell the American people that information? I think that uh, over the, the years we have tried to inform the American people as, as fully as possible. As part of informing Americans about the swine flu threat, Dr. Sensor's CDC also helped create the advertising to get the public to take the shot. Let me read to you from one of your own agency's memos planning the campaign to urge Americans to take the shot. The swine flu vaccine has been taken by many important persons. Example, President Ford, Henry Kissinger, Elton John, Muhammad Ali, Mary Tyler Moore, Rudolf Nureyev, Walter Cronkite, Ralph Nader, Edward Kennedy, etc., etc. True? I'm not familiar with that particular piece of paper, uh, but I do know that at least of that group, President Ford did take the vaccination. Did you talk to these people beforehand to find out if they planned to take the shot? I did not know. Did anybody? I do not know. Did you get permission to use their names in your campaign? I do not know. Mary, did you take a swine flu shot? No, I did not. Did you give them permission to use your name saying that you had or were going to? Absolutely not. Never did. Did you ask your own doctor about taking the swine flu shot? Yes, and at the time he thought it might be a good idea, but I resisted it because I was leery of having the symptoms that sometimes go with that kind of inoculation. So you didn't? No, I didn't. Have you spoken to your doctor since? Yes. And? He's delighted that I didn't take that shot. There are... This is your advertising strategy that I have a copy of here. Who's it signed by? This one is unsigned. But you, you'll acknowledge that it was your baby, so to speak. It uh, could have been from the uh, Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. It could be from CDC. I don't know. I'll be happy to take uh, responsibility for it. 
It's been three years now since you fell ill with GBS. Has the federal government, in your estimation, played fair with you about your claim? No, I don't think so. Uh, it seems to be dragging on and on and on. Really, no end in sight that I can see at this point. With respect to the cases of Guillaume Barre, allegedly... Former Secretary of H.E.W. Joseph Califano, too, was disturbed that there was no end in sight. So a year and a half ago, he promised that Uncle Sam would cut the bureaucratic red tape for victims suffering from GBS and would pay up quickly. We shouldn't hold them to an impossible or too difficult standard of proving that they were hurt. Even if we pay a few people a few thousand dollars that might not have deserved it, I think justice requires that we promptly pay those people who do deserve it. Who's making the decision to be so hard-nosed about settling? Well, I assume the uh, Justice Department is. Griffin uh, Bell, before he left? Well, the Justice Department agreed to the statement I made. It was cleared word for word uh, with the lawyers in the Justice Department by my HEW lawyers. And that statement said, in effect... That statement said that we should pay Guillaume Beret claims without regard to whether the federal government was negligent if they resulted from the swine flu shot. I think the government knows it's wrong. If it drags out long enough, that people will just give up. <laughs> Let it go. I, I am a little more adamant in my thoughts than my wife is because uh, I told Judy to take the shot. She wasn't going to take it, and uh, she never had had shots. I'm mad with my government because they knew the facts, but they didn't release those facts because they, if they had released them, the people wouldn't have taken it. And they can come out tomorrow and tell me there's going to be an epidemic and they can drop off like flies next to me, I will not take another shot that my government tells me to take. The reporter that did that uh, article you just listened to was named Mike Wallace. And that article was done a little over 43 years ago. Things have changed since then. People have gotten stupider. There's more and more stupid people out there that fall for this stuff, and and uh, they'll just they'll do what they're told to do because they, they don't know anything else than following orders. Militia in Michigan mobilized, quote unquote, to block the arrest of a 77 year old Michigan barber. This barber had said, you know, I had enough of this. I, I got to make money. I can't I can't live on goodwill. So he opened his barber shop up. And the communist governor there in uh, Michigan said, well, I'm going to uh, we're going to have you arrested. We're going to send the police there and we're going to arrest you. So the militia militia in Michigan heard about it and they surrounded the block and they would not allow the police through. So they actually people stood up for this guy. Unfortunately, there's a back door to everything. And the communist governor in Michigan said, well, then we're just going to pull your license so you can not legally cut hair anymore. And they did. Uh, yeah. I find it interesting that we've been we've been degraded to the point where we have to get a we have to get permission from the local governor or from the ruling class to operate at all. Wisconsin Supreme Court struck down the state's stay-at-home order. They said this is unconstitutional. You can't do it. And boom, right away, bars were packed. <laughs> ah, oh, hey, this is a neat thing. In Missouri, the communist governor there said, uh, when, when he ordered the lockdown, said, look, look, all you good Democrats out there, if you see anybody who's violating this lockdown, call the snitch line. Call this line and turn them in. 900 people did. And then the government went and posted their all their names and phone numbers on the Internet. Now, I mentioned how the sheeple and us, we, we're the ones that are destroying this economy. Well, there was a poll taken of people 
and it was very basic. It was uh, if it's ready, if everything's done, if the virus is finished, are you willing to? come out of your your cave anyway and a lot of the people said no i'll, I'll just stay in here and I, i'll work from home from now on there's a lot of people 69 percent of the people that responded to this poll said that uh, you know i'm not going to resume re- resume all my normal activities anyway because i'm still afraid i'm still afraid that i could die that i could get the disease yeah well april as every month before it has uh, far surpassed the previous month in firearm sales. There were more firearms sold in the month of April in the United States. And now when I say firearms sold, I'm talking about the one where you walk in a gun shop and you fill out a 4473, blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking about one you find in a newspaper or the nickel nick or whatever. So that so the federal firearm license firearm sales were the highest in recorded history in April. These deep staters are so arrogant, they think that nothing can ever happen to them. Well, I I hope they're right. But unfortunately, as long as uh, we have politicians, we're going to be lied to over and over. Let me get this straight. You can pack 200 people into a Walmart during these lockdowns, but you're not allowed to gather 12 people in a church. You can buy weed because dispensaries are labeled essential businesses. But my sister's dance studio has been shut down for two months and counting. You let big box retailers stay open for business while 40% of small businesses across the country may shut down permanently because they can't keep their heads above water. You forbid children from going to school, even though kids have very low risk of COVID-19. But you force nursing homes to take COVID-19 patients, even though the elderly infirm are at very high risk from the virus. You ban drive-in church services and give tickets to congregants who attend in their own cars, in the parking lot, with their windows rolled up and the sermon on the radio. But you encourage curbside pickup at restaurants so we don't blame the economic crash on you. You lock us inside our homes with our families, even though transmission of the virus happens most inside among family members. But you shut down beaches and parks, even though transmission of the virus via casual contact happens rarely. You lie to us about face masks and tell us they don't work to manipulate our behavior to save the PPE for medical providers. And then weeks later, you fine us $1,000 if we don't wear a mask. You say the economic devastation from the lockdowns is worth it if it saves even one life. But you ignore the lives that will be lost thanks to the lockdown from suicide, drug overdose and despair, abuse, starvation, economic devastation or medical treatments delayed and surgeries canceled. Politicians said the government mandated lockdowns are for our own good, but that's a lie. Politicians claim they're following the science, but that's a lie, too. They told us social distancing for 15 days to prevent the hospitals from crashing. And that turned into 30 days to lower the reproduction rate of the virus. And that morphed into no new normal for maybe years until there's a vaccine. Enough. Science says most people don't die from COVID-19. The death rate for people between the ages of 18 and 45 in New York is 0.01%. That's 11 per 100,000. The death rate for kids in New York is 0%. Science says kids are not a vector for transmission of this virus. Science says the virus is transmitted among our families at home. Science says sunlight kills the virus and transmission of the virus outdoors happens 18 times less 
than inside. Data shows people's activity slowed. The reproduction rate of the virus slowed in Europe before the lockdowns were imposed, thanks to individual social distancing, not government dictates. Data shows there's no correlation between the lockdowns and COVID-19 deaths in U.S. states that locked down early versus U.S. states that locked down late. Lockdowns were never supposed to defeat COVID-19, but indefinite lockdowns will destroy our economy and our country as we know it. That was one of the uh, the reporters on One American News, OAN. It's the only news station that I can actually go to. You know, I get up in the morning, I turn on ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, and Fox. And they're all talking the exact same thing. No news at all. I go to OAN, and lo and behold, I get news from all over the world, just the way I want it. We're going to do a little bit in the Trump category right now. The acting director of national intelligence, Richard Grinnell, has decided to declassify some information about the Obama administration officials who were behind the so-called unmasking of Michael Flynn. Basically, what's happening here is that the people who have been, when I use the term people, I'm talking about the communists that were in charge of the abomination and uh, the intelligence departments and the FBI at that time. He's he is releasing information to show who started all this Michael Flynn crap. And it's turning out that it's Obama, Biden, and everybody involved in the FBI. This is utterly astounding. And you're not hearing anything about it on the mainstream media. More information has been released that this entire Mueller investigation, this entire horse manure that the Democrats started about Trump working with the Russians, they all knew that it was phony from the beginning. They all knew it. And they were doing this simply to depose an elected official. As a matter of fact, the uh, Senate, which is run by the Republicans, otherwise nothing would get done, is moving to issue a subpoena in the probe of Hunter Biden in Ukraine. So the Bidens, the whole family, Bidens, are going to be under investigation in the Senate. And this is real. This is not make-believe. Biden's name comes up too many times. You know, things change so fast with this, with this kind of stuff. Like Michael Flynn was released because they realized they found out that that uh, it was all bogus and lies. And then a communist judge who hates Trump said, no, hold on there. Somebody else might want to chime in on this besides you. It, this is so much crap going on here that I'm not putting a lot of attention on it. And neither is the mainstream media. They don't care. They don't want to bring the, the, this information out. Did you know that the, the Democrat National Committee, I just f- I found out about this yesterday, that they didn't want to not have their committee meeting to find out who's going to run for president against Trump. And when asked, what do you mean? You, you, you're going you're gonna to put Biden in as your choice. And they said, well, well we're not sure of that yet. You know, I, I don't know. Is uh, Hillary or, or Michael, I mean, Michelle Obama going to be coming in? We, we don't know. This is, we don't know what's going on with this stuff because the deep state is using the Wuhan virus to camouflage all news, to hide everything that's happening behind our backs. I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to we're going to find out about it. Eventually, it might take a hundred years, but you got to remember, history is written by the winners. All right, we're done with all of this crap for now. Now we're going to talk about what I wanted to talk about, and this is going to be battle weapons. We're going to talk about guns, but we're not going to talk about plinkers. We're talking about actual weapons. 
I told you this before, and I'm telling you this again. The military and law enforcement are not our friends. You see videos all over Facebook of law enforcement beating the crap out of somebody because he sneered at him. Yeah, you see people getting the crap beat out of them because they did something wrong. But the law enforcement in the United States are elitist. They are the baddest that you can get and we've ever had in the United States. The next step up would be Nazi Germany. They're not our friends. They actually never have been our friends. The military and law enforcement have always, always done the the bidding of their boss. And their boss could be the mayor. It could be county commissioners. It could be the state governor. It could be the president of the United States. It's always the political leader of the country. And that's been for thousands and thousands of years. They will march onto and shoot and kill massive amounts of citizens, unarmed citizens, because they were told to. Now, they might feel a pang of guilt afterwards, but that's, that's, that's not important because you're already dead or destroyed. Again, the, the police will do what they're told. If they're told to crush somebody, his business, and lock it down because the, the governor said that nobody's allowed to conduct business without my direct permission, they'll do it. They don't care what's right, and they don't care what's moral. Critical thinking is forbidden in law enforcement and military. Do you know what the only thing that's important in the, the, this thing, in law enforcement and military, is something called the chain of command. That means your direct line of boss. So that's, you've really got to get this through your head. And I'm sorry if there's cops out there listening to me, if there's soldiers out there listening to me, you know damn well I'm right. There will be maybe, maybe 10% of you, maybe 10% who will say, no, this is wrong and I refuse to do it. But the rest of it, you know what's going to happen. Okay, so you have different types of battle weapons. You, you, now, when I say battle weapons, I'm not talking about a 22 caliber plinker or a single-shot 12-gauge or even a 12-gauge, even though a 12-gauge shotgun is used in the military. I'm talking about long guns, uh, rifles. These are, these are uh, rifles that have uh, large caliber. And I'll re- here are the standard calibers okay, of battle weapons in the world. 223 caliber, 5.56 caliber. This is the this is the standard AR-15 type round, seven six two by thirty nine. Now that is a, the caliber that's used in SKSs and AK-47s. Generally, there's a lot of variants in that. Now, seven six two by fifty four R. The R stands for rimmed. This is for the Soviet bloc Russian style uh, rifles, sniper rifles. Three oh eight caliber, and this is a basic caliber of a, of a large caliber, uh, semi-automatic or full-auto weapon used in, by NATO countries. Thirty out six, three oh three caliber, and that was a standard British caliber. Three oh three eight millimeter, which was uh, German caliber, uh, Polish, that kind of uh, stuff. Uh, that's what ma- most Mausers were were uh, made to shoot. Three hundred Win Mag, which is and has been the, the typical standard sniper rifle for the U.S. militaries for years, and 50 BMG. BMG stands for Browning Machine Gun. Uh, this is the bullet. It shoots a bullet the size that if you dropped it on your foot, you would break a toe. Okay, so you have, you have semi-automatic. You have full auto. Actually, select fire. You got a little switch. You can go full auto or semi-automatic. Bolt action, pump action, and lever action. 
Now, in the semi-automatic frames, the, the platforms, you have the AK-47, which every every Soviet bloc country made their own version of it. But basically, it's a, a 7.62 by 39. Now, to give you an idea, 7.62 by 39, it sounds like some kind of esoteric round. The Winchester 30-30 lever-action rifle, the 30-30 caliber, has the same muscle velocity, the same diameter, the same speed, the same trajectory as a 7.62 by 39. So a 30-30 and a 7.62 by 39 is almost the same round. Not the same. You can't put them in each other gun, but they have the same. They they, they have the tech, same technical aspect as each other. So you have uh, the AK-47 platform. Then you have the AR-15 platform. This, when I say platform, I mean there's so many different ways they come. It's astounding. Like an AR-15 is basically two parts. It has an upper and a lower. The lower is the serialized part. That's the part that you have to buy from a dealer. Or if you do buy from a dealer, it has to be registered. <clears throat> and if you buy it from a private party, it doesn't matter, except in certain states where you are, have screwed up and let a governor become Democrat. But an AR-15 can be anything from a two-two-three caliber pistol with a six-inch barrel to a long-range shooting weapon with uh, like a 24-inch heavy bull barrel. <clears throat> then you have the SKS. The SKS is was a... Um, it was 10 rounds, period. You can't put a, a magazine in it. It's fed from the top. Now, the AK platforms take the magazines from the bottom. 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100. Cal- you know, that, that many rounds can fit in a mag that go in the bottom. SKS, 10 rounds, basically. Uh, then you have the uh, Heckler & Koch 91. That's a three oh eight caliber. The M1A, which is a uh, semi-automatic three oh eight, which takes a bottom-fed magazine. FNFAL, uh, Set Me. C-E-T-M-E, Daewoo from uh, South Korea. Then you have the Steyr Aug, which is out of Australia. When it came out, it was the first bullpup long gun ever made. A Valmay. And then, of course, the best military weapon ever made, the M1 Garand. Now, these are all semi-auto. Now, they can be be classified as select fire, too, if they were that version. Like the AR-15 is semi-automatic. But the military version of that would be the M16, and that's the uh, select fire one, and it'll go full auto or semi-auto. That is, just depends. So all of the the AK-47, the AR-15, uh, H&K-91, the M1A, the FNFAL, Setme, Daewoo, Steyr, Valme, those can all be modified or originally made as a select fire weapon. Bolt action. Now, bolt action weapons are the oldest military weapons that I can find anywhere. So... The ones that are used in this country, in fact, they're not used much anymore, but that would be the 1903 Springfield, 1903 A3 Remington, and there's various companies that made these guns, but it's a 1903, 1903 A3, and then a 1917 called the Pattern 1917, it's an Eddystone, or Remington, or Winchester, and they were copies of the English version of this gun that fired the 303. Our version of the 1917 fires the 30-06. Then you have the Mosin Nagant, which is the bolt-action Soviet block weapon. The Mosin Nagant fires a 7.62x54R. It is slightly more powerful than our 30-06. Then you have the Remington 700 PSS. That stands for Police uh, Special Sniper. Or or M24, Remington M24. The Ruger American. 
all the British Enfields, there's a whole bunch of different ones, various Mausers, and these were all uh, German basic, almost every country in Europe made Mausers. And then we have the Winchester Model 70s, and these are in bolt action also. Now, these are long-range weapons, these bolt actions are. Then you have a pump action. And that's, it's, it's where you, it's like a shotgun, like a pump shotgun. You literally, you fire around and then you pump the forearm. And that would be like the Remington 572, 760, uh, 7600. Now that most of you guys don't know this, but if you have one of these Remingtons that are pump action that take a magazine, that magazine can be replaced with another magazine that carries 10 or 20 rounds. So it's almost like a, a little urban assault weapon. So it'll carry more rounds if you find those magazines. Then, of course, you always have the lever-action guns. Winchester, Savage, Marlin, and Henry make lever-action firearms or have made lever-action rifles. The more accurate ones would be the bolt-action, of course. But my grandpa had a, uh, a 303 Savage caliber, lever-action Savage, and I watched him take deer at 500 yards. So these are the basic long guns that you would be looking at. Now, this is just my recommendations, okay? You're going to find all kinds of other oddball stuff out there. Now, then you look, you're looking at uh, optics and sights for these things. If you want to shoot, now, I don't know how your eyesight is, but if you want to shoot long range, and I don't mean just 100 feet, I'm talking 500 to 1,000 yards, something like that, you're going to need specialized optics. Even in, in uh, close range battle weapons, you should have specialized optics to where you can pinpoint your target with both your eyes open and that what you would do with a holographic sight or, or what's called a red dot sight picture you know what a scope is okay so picture this about a one inch diameter glass on the top of your rifle that has a red dot in the middle of it nothing else it doesn't amplify or doesn't magnify what you're looking at this has a little red dot so you keep both eyes open and you can put that little red dot in your eye you can just look at it you'll see what i'm talking about when you point you'll see that red dot it's going to be sighted in right on your target then you have the other ones uh, that are what's called uh, optical magnification. Now, these are scopes, normal rifle scopes that you're used to, and they're either fixed magnification or variable magnification. In World War II, we used a 1903A4 bolt-action rifle that had a fixed four-power scope on it as our standard sniper rifle, and it worked. Nowadays, you're going to have a, an M, a Model 24 a Remington in uh, 300 Winchester Magnum, and it might have a 12 to 24 power scope on it. So there's different types of scopes, different qualities. You get what you pay for. And in this one thing, I can tell you that the Chinese have really stepped up over the years in manufacturing scopes. Some of their some of their scopes are astoundingly well made. And there's different, uh, what they would call reticles inside of a scope. You know, when you look in a scope, you see two lines, one going up and down, one going side to side. Okay, that's a reticle. There's all kinds of them. The one I just described is called a wire reticle. Okay, then you have the three line, which is a, a line that comes from the right, goes to the middle, and from the left, goes to the middle, and from the bottom, goes to the middle. And uh, the, they, they, they don't touch, but they each have a like an arrow on the end of them so they almost touch all three of them almost touch it's an interesting sight uh, scope I, i've never used one then you have what's known as the mill dot military dot and these are dots then there's some that that have just one single dot in there no lines no nothing just a dot 
There's all kinds of it. And then they have what's called lighted reticles. Now these, picture this. You have a knob on the side of your, your scope. Now your scope will die, will magnify from oh, maybe 12 to 24 powers, right? And you have a line uh, in the middle of this thing. You know, two lines. One going up and down, one going side to side. And you have this this uh, little knob on, on the left-hand side. And you can change the color of that line from red to green to blue to yellow to white to black. And then on the other side of the scope, you have another knob that intensifies that, makes it brighter or dimmer, depending on the ambient light around you. Those are phenomenal. They really do help. But there's only one drawback, is that there's more things to go wrong with them, and they take batteries. So things like those are great if you're just playing with them, but when you're using them on a day-to-day basis, you better have a whole pocket full of batteries or a recharger for those batteries. So it gets a little tricky. Now, these are the optics. These are the scopes. Then you have the normal, what's called iron sights. And these are like what's known is on a, on a revolver. Most revolvers will have uh, iron sights. Uh, it, you're going to have in the back a U-notch and a post in the front, or a V-notch in the back yeah, or po- and a post in the front. I mean, you have all of these different, different variables to it. And then you have aperture sights, like the M1 Garand. The M1 Garand has a wing sight on the on the end of the muzzle, it's got three. It's got two wings: one on the right, one on the left, and then a center post sight. And those wings are to protect the post sight. And in the back, you have an adjustable aperture sight. It's a round hole, little round dot, little. Hole. You look through that, and it, it actually helps your vision while it's doing it. And that's fully adjustable. So all of the weapons that I'm talking about have options. The majority of them, you can have just iron sights. The AK, the AR-15, there's a whole bunch of different type of iron sights for that. The SKS comes with its own sights, the HK-91, the M1A, all, they all have their own sights. You can add to that with the optics, and that's up to you. You want to be able to come onto your target immediately and fast. See, weapons are judged on the range. Handguns are good up to about 100 feet. Now, I'm, I can do, you can do more than that. But uh, this is just to give you an idea. So handguns are good up to about 100 feet. And they're mostly lower caliber, like 9mm 45. 100 feet out, you're going to want something with a little more poop to it. And that's where you get in with the AR and the AK and the SKSs and that kind of stuff. And those are going to be mostly 30 calibers. 7.62 is a 30 caliber. 308 is 30 caliber. 30 out 6, 30 caliber. 8mm is kind of like a 30 caliber, a little, little smaller. Most battle weapons for the past 100 years have been a basically 30 caliber. The uh, sights on most of the weapons have been just typical, simple V-notch iron sights. It's when they start actually caring about the soldiers who carried those guns uh, did the designers start adding custom sights like what's on the M1 carbine. Well, and the M1 Garand. Now, I didn't put an M1 Carbine in this list because a M1 Carbine is like a glorified uh, 9mm. A 9mm is a 110 grain ball going about 1,000 feet per second. An M- M1 Carbine, it's a good weapon. It's a good weapon, but it's still a 110 grain ball, but it goes about 2,000 feet per second. So, you know, it's, it's an okay thing. It's not something that I'm going to use in battle unless I had to kind of thing. See, in an emergency situation, you're going to pick up damn near anything you can get your hands on, including a, a long stick with a nail in the end of it. The, the reality of this is that these guns are not, these are not just uh, little hunting guns. These are not just uh, plinking guns. These are weapons that you can use to defend yourself 
or your loved ones or your property or what have you. Now, rule of thumb is that a battle rifle is going to weigh 10 pounds. Or as I discovered in the military, it weighs 10 pounds when you pick it up and when you put it on your shoulder. After the first 10 miles, it weighs about 20 pounds. And then after the next 10 miles, it weighs about 50 pounds. So you're going to want to look for something that's easy for you to carry. You know, if you're you're five foot tall, you're going to want a different weapon than somebody who's six foot tall. These are the things that you need to look at. When you're buying a weapon, you want to look at, well, how much is it going to cost you? How easy is is it to uh, get ammo for it? You don't want weird calibers for battle weapons. You want something that you you can find the ammo anywhere. Or if you shoot the enemy, you go over to him and take his ammo to put in your gun if it's the same stuff. Uh, you want to. You got to be careful what kind of finish you have. I mean, you, you don't want a beautiful chrome-plated Browning BLR rifle as a battle weapon. You're going to destroy it. And why spend the money on something like that? The main thing you look at is the recoil. How hard does this thing kick? I've had women that are four foot eleven inches demand a 30-06 rifle because they know that their daddy used one and it it killed that deer perfect and i won't sell them when i was when i had my gun shop i wouldn't sell them i wouldn't sell them one i said look you're not going to be able to handle the recoil and sure as shooting when they take it out and they squeeze off around at the range uh, they bring it back and they say you're right i dislocated my shoulder you know it, it just depends on you so you want something with a, a, a good enough caliber to do the job. It's not going to be super heavy. It's not going to knock you on your butt when you shoot it. And you can get parts for it. You can get parts. You can get ammunition. You can get magazines for it. Now, the lightest ones, and let, let's get realistic with prices here also. Uh, it, a battle weapon, you're going to be looking at a semi-automatic. Generally, semi-automatic. Okay, The cheapest is the SKS. And you'll find Chinese SKSs, Russian SKSs, Polish, Yugoslavian. Different ones have different quality. The thing with an SKS is I don't care who makes it, including China. Those damn things, you you can't kill them. You load them with 10-round stripper clips from the top. They have adjustable sights. The rear's adjustable and the front's adjustable. They are very, very accurate. They're not that heavy a gun. They're mostly short. So... Like, I'm 6'2". I pick up an SKS, and I pull, put it up to shoot. My, You know how you hold your rifle, right? You know, your right hand, if you're right-handed, your thumb around the stock, and you, my thumb is right on my nose. That's how short the stock is. The good thing is is that you can buy aftermarket fiberglass stocks for SKSs. And they they even have butt pads on it. It extends the, the stock to where a, a tall white guy like me can, can pick it up and shoot it comfortably. And most of these other rifles, like the AK-47 variants, there's all kinds of different stocks you can buy for them as well. Folding stocks if you want. SKS, you can buy folding stocks if you want. You can buy you can buy accessories for all of these weapons, including bipods, so that you can shoot prone comfortably and accurately. But the SKS is going to be the cheapest one, and that's going to be probably two to $300. Now, here's the surprising thing. The uh, AR-15 Variants. There's there's all kinds of different different types. Okay, I'm going to be posting when I do the notes for this page for this show on a link to a website that sells what they call seconds or flawed. And I from for customers I have bought uppers, 
See, remember, an AR-15 has two parts, has an upper, has a lower. The upper holds the upper receiver and the barrel and the sights and the bolt and all of that good stuff. And they call it flawed, and, and there's no, I can't find any flaws. And when I say flaw, they're talking cosmetic, not mechanical. See, firearm manufacturing is not like making knives that you can make it a little lopsided and it'd be okay, or shoes that you can do a few stitches off the center and that's okay. Firearms, you can't really make mechanical uh, seconds because somebody can die because of it. So when they say seconds or, or, uh, cos- or flaws of some kind, it's always cosmetic. But to give you an idea, from this company, you can buy a complete lower, AR-15 lower, for $175, and a complete upper for $200. So for under $400, you now have yourself an AR-15 basic platform weapon. And I'll I'll, I'll post that link. So the SKS is is the cheapest right now. The AR-15 now, because the prices go up and down, up and down, that's the thing. bad thing about firearms is their prices are political. There was a point when it, when Air 15, well, when the first Airs came out, it was called an SP-1. And it was a very typical, standard uh, Air 15 223 caliber uh, that came out in a, in a long box. It looked really nice rifle. They were $179. And then they got up to about $3,000. And now they're back down to about $500. So prices go up and down, up and down. So anyway, okay, so the the AR-15, about $500. When you're looking at an AK version, now an AK, there's it's plentiful mags and parts right now. And the AK shoots a 7.62 by 39. All kinds of parts, all kinds of mags. Mags are cheap. When I say cheap, I mean 5 to $10 a piece, depending on the quality that you want and whether you want plastic or, you know, custom stuff. But you can pick up an AK for $400 to $600. That's just an idea. And then you can pick up the mags. Now, you're going to, whatever mag-fed weapon you get, you need at least 10 mags. There are many people out there that will have 100 mags. And you make sure you have the pouches to hold these magazines if you're going to be carrying them. And remember, these, th- these weapons, the weight in them is going to be the ammunition you're going to be carrying. You got to think about that also. So an AR-15 platform is 223 ammo, which is half the weight of the 762 by 39 ammo. The HK91, forget about it. Yeah, you're not going to find a lot of them in this country. The M1A, you can buy brand new right now with a 20 round mag from uh, Springfield Armory for $1,200, and they come with two spare mags and a scope mount. The FNFAL is a UN 30 caliber weapon, 308 weapon. There's some of them out there, but they're the the, the expense on those are going to be fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars. Uh, Set me and Daewoo, you're not going to see any of them. The Daewoo I wouldn't recommend anyway. It's South Korean weapon. It's it's not made for longevity. Steyr Aug, very 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 expensive. Very uh, we're talking four to five thousand dollars. A good one to get is an M1 Grand. It is a 30 caliber gas-operated clip-fed spring recoil shoulder-mounted anti-personnel weapon. It's uh, it's almost idiot-proof, but if you're not careful, it'll it'll uh, bite your thumb, and uh, you'll discover that if you if you ever have had one or if you ever try and load one. But it shoots 30 out six rounds. It's quick as you pull the trigger. It's extremely accurate. I mean, extremely. I sold an M1 Garand to a guy. Years ago, I'd built this custom for him. It wasn't special. It was just all new parts. 
And I shipped it to him, and he was in Texas, and, and he shipped it back. He said, it said, I can't hit the inside of a barn. <laughs> so uh, I, I tested everything, and I, I put a new match-grade sights in the front and rear and sent it back to him, and he sent it back again. He said, at 100 feet, I'm missing deer. So I got pissed off, and I went out to the range at 100 feet standing. I put eight rounds. It has a clip that you feed from the top. I put all eight rounds in a two-inch bullseye at 100 feet. Sent the target and the gun back to him and never heard from him again. But it's it's a very excellent weapon. Parts are, are cheap. You can rebuild the whole damn thing, minus the, the receiver, for pennies on the dollar. And stocks are plentiful. You can go on eBay and you can look at the different stocks. There's everything from plastic stocks to beautiful mahogany stocks to walnut stocks. It, it, so it, an M1 Grand you can do a lot with. And it's it's a very, very simple weapon. And it's standard .30-06 ammo. The other bolt-action rifles, for those of you who, who aren't into the uh, semi-automatic type of stuff, you can find those, you can find a good bolt. And Now, normally up here in Idaho, these bolt-action rifles would be called hunting rifles. Simple. Just simple hunting rifles. Big 5, North 40, and the other sporting goods stores have these sales on these, on these bolt-action rifles. Like, to give you an idea, Savage. You can get it in, in two forty three, which I don't like that caliber, three oh eight, thirty out six, or seven millimeter. And I would recommend the three oh eight or the thirty out six. In this day day and age, three oh eight because three oh eight ammo is more plentiful than thirty out six. You can get the rifle with a scope on it, a sling in a case for four hundred dollars. That is excellent. And in your battery of weapons, you should have a handgun, a twenty two rifle, a twelve gauge pump shotgun a battle weapon, and a bolt-action hunting gun. These are tools. All of these weapons are tools, and I've said this before. You get it for your use. You figure out, what am I going to use this for? And you figure it out. Let's, let's say, now, Michael Savage. You've heard of him, radio show guy? Well, I met Michael Savage in, uh, in the Bay Area at a gun show. He, he wrote a book, and he was, he was uh, signing it and selling it to people there. And, and he asked the promoters, he wants. He said, I want the most knowledgeable, honest person here to help me buy an AR-15. So he comes to me. And what I, I found him a good, solid AR-15. There are 50 companies out there right now making AR-15s. You just, just uh, they're all military specs. All their part, everybody's parts will fit on everybody's guns. So it's pretty much a gut call on your part, what, which manufacturer you're going to buy. Colt is not the best. Colts now made in Japan or China. I, I don't know where. But I got him the rifle, and then I got him a good sling, not the standard military sling. I got him a good leather sling for it, fully adjustable and padded. And then I got him a five-round magazine in case he wanted to be legal and up in the woods hunting, because you can't hunt with more than five rounds, uh, a 10-round magazine, a 20-round magazine, and a dozen 30-round magazines. I also got him a cap that goes on the end of the rifle to keep moisture and dirt out. I also got him a cleaning kit. Now, the AR-15s and the M-16s, they have a, uh, at the back of their butt, they have a little opening there, and you can open it up, and, and a cleaning kit fits right in there. So I got him a factory original cleaning kit that went right in the back of this buttstock, and then I bought him an, an uh, expanded cleaning kit. See, normal cleaning kit just cleans the basic stuff. The expanded cleaning kit, you can tear your gun all apart and clean everything. There's a lot to it. It's a lot to an AR-15. And I got him all of the um, cases that he would need 
and pouches to hold the, the, the magazines. Okay, this is what you want to do. You don't want to just buy a gun and a mag. You want to think it out. An AK would be the same way. An SKS, a little bit different because, remember, it loads from the top, like the M1 Garand. The M1 Garand loads eight rounds in a clip that goes in from the top. An SKS is the same way. You pull the bolt back, and you have a 10-round stripper clip, and you load it from that. Now, you can buy uh, expansion magazines for an SKS. An SKS standardly holds 10 rounds. You can buy a replacement magazine that fits in the bottom of it that holds 20 rounds or even 30 rounds. Or even with some milling and some minor work, it can take specialized 30-round magazines, which is a waste of time at that point. Just buy an AK-47. So you want to, whatever gun you buy, you want to buy everything that you can imagine for that firearm. Now, I, I personally like the larger calibers because I, I'm 6'2". I can handle the, the recoil. Now, a cheap bolt-action rifle is the most in the gun. If you've ever seen the movie Enemy at the Gates, that's the rifle that the Russians were using. It's very, you can buy them for 100 bucks, 100 to $200 at gun shows, something like that. And the ammo is is very powerful ammo. It's, it's akin to this 30-06. Now, whatever gun you buy, you buy a minimum of 1,000 rounds for it. I don't care what it is. 223, 762x39, 762x54R, 308, uh, I don't care. You buy one, a minimum of 1,000 rounds for it. And you can find bulk, bulk ammo like that at gun shows when they start popping up again. And a lot of the, uh, the, the, the gun shops out there have bulk ammo right now. You can, they can buy it wholesale, and they can turn it around and sell it to you fairly cheap. Let your fingers do the walking. In other words, look at the yellow pages, right, and, and call around and uh, check on prices. And you can get what's called copper ball, meaning just copper, hollow point, soft point, hunting rounds. You can get all kinds of stuff for it. Figure out what you want to get. Then you have to take the gun out and you have to get competent with it. You have to be comfortable with it. Now, maybe I got this this backwards. The first thing you do when you buy a firearm is to go out and see if you like it. See if it fits you. See if the recoil's okay. See if you can hit a damn thing with it. And it's, I learned a long time ago, it's a poor carpenter that blames his tools. So if you can't hit something with it, there might, you need to figure out how to sight. Very seldom is it actually the fault of the firearm. I have had rifles that the barrel was actually tightened in too far, so the front sight was throwing it off. So you, you just figure out how accurate that weapon is or how accurate you want that weapon to be. And if it suits your fancy, well, then fine. Then you buy everything else that you need to go with it as well. And you keep these guns cleaned. If you take them out, and these are important, especially on semi-automatic weapons. When you shoot them, you clean them. Not later. You clean them. The uh, residue will build up in them and cause damage. In the AR-15s, it can clog up the gas tube. In the uh, SKSs and AKs, same thing. The recoil gas tubes can get filthy, and then all of a sudden, you don't have a semi-automatic. You have a single-shot rifle. The importance of firearms, it's a little different than you actually than you think. A firearm is a deterrent. A deterrent is an item that's used to stop someone or something from doing something that you don't want them to do. Like, I have pulled a firearm on a criminal to stop him from doing what he was doing. And basically, they usually stop. Most of the time, you don't have to shoot him. Once I had to shoot a guy in the toe, but regardless. So the idea is that a firearm is not something 
that you have to kill somebody with, but you better be ready to do so if you pick it up. If you pick up a firearm with the intent in your mind to use this on somebody, you had better make sure that you're willing to do it. You don't want to play the game like you've seen on TV many times. Don't come any closer or I'll shoot. And the person comes closer and reaches over and takes the handgun or the rifle or the shotgun out of the person's hands. That means you're dead or somebody you care about is dead. That's what's going to happen. If you pick up a firearm of any kind, a handgun, a shotgun, a rifle, in your mind, you had better have decided that if you have to, you can use it. Many times I have brandished a weapon, willing to use it but not having to. I pulled a handgun out before, and I've warned people not to do something. Most of the time they say, yes, sir, won't do it, never mind, it's okay. And a few times they've said, no, the hell with you, I'm coming to take that away from you and shove it up your... Twice it's happened to me, They're, they were unarmed at the time, and I was able to smack them up alongside the head and take all the fight out of them without having to kill them. I'd rather not kill somebody. It's rather a final determination to their life. I don't mind doing it if I have to, but, you know, it, it's there's a hell of a lot of paperwork involved with that. So I, I'd rather not do that, and, and I know you wouldn't either. So if you pick up a firearm for the defense of your family, your house, your country, you better be willing in your mind to use that firearm or don't waste your time. Back to the various types of battle weapons. My personal belief, I, I don't like the full auto actions because you just waste a lot of ammo. You literally do. And there was a test done at a very famous shooting range in Arizona where they had uh, three different people shoot at 15 targets with a M16 and 30 rounds in the mag. And they said, just pull the trigger and don't let go and hit all of those targets. Each person hit three targets. Only one of those shots would have been what you would consider a kill shot. On semi-automatic mode, though, where one pull of the trigger is one bullet, they hit all 15 targets. So this is just my personal feelings on it. Everybody has their own ideas on the thing, but full auto is great for keeping heads down of the enemy because they don't they don't know. Maybe one of those bullets might hit them, and if they hear a whole bunch of rounds coming down range towards them, they'll keep their heads down. It's not great for accuracy. Usually it's the first one or two rounds that's going to hit the target if you're lucky. So my viewpoint is have the semi-automatic version. First off, it's right now in most states of the United States, a semi-automatic weapons legal. Now, if you're foolish enough to live in a state that has a communist as a governor, hell, who knows what they've banned so far? I don't know. It's, it's you know, it's, this politic crap is just ridiculous. This country's gotten to the point where nobody can recognize it. I mean, nobody can recognize it. Even the illegal immigrants don't recognize it anymore. It's scaring them as well. I've met more patriotic illegal aliens in certain areas of this country than I have patriotic Americans. It's astounding. And when I say patriotic, I'm talking like in Los Angeles. I lived uh, downstairs from a Mexican family upstairs. These were illegals, but they were the first people that would stand on the front lines to defend America. That's, it's all confusing to me. So you need to find yourself a weapon that you're comfortable with. You're not going to worry about using. Now, in, in uh, my training, as soon as I was handed a weapon, I was blindfolded as well. And you take it apart and you put it back together blindfolded. Now, my son, now I was a master gunsmith. My son was a journeyman. And each gun that we worked on, we worked on many, many, many Mausers. These are bolt action, eight millimeter, generally eight millimeter weapons. We worked on thousands of M1 Garands, thousands of uh, Colt 1911A1 pistols, 45 ACP pistols. 
And after I taught him the that individual weapon, whichever one it was, it, it could be a SIG, it could be most Nagan, it doesn't matter, I would have him follow the directions in the assembly, disassembly manuals, disassemble the, the, the weapon, and put it back together. And then I would blindfold him and have him do the same. And then I would blindfold him and hand him a box of parts and say, assemble it. That's how our training went. In fact, in the dark, you can hand me a weapon. I don't care what it is. I'll tell you what it is. I don't have to see it. I can just feel it. I'll tell you what it is, what caliber it is, and how many rounds are in it. You need to be comfortable with whatever weapon you get. I I could care less what it is. You need to be comfortable with it. If you're not comfortable with it, then you will hesitate. Hesitation is what gets you killed or gets somebody else killed. If you are sure of your actions and you're sure of how you're interacting with, we'll just call it the enemy, then you have a higher survivability than if you are unsure and you hesitate. That's just common sense. So bottom line is you're going to want to have a weapon that you can take care of, get parts for, get ammo for. And in this day and age, you need to do one other thing. Keep your mouth shut. I took, and I told you this last week, or the week before, I took my Facebook page off because people, you know, they like you, right? They sign up and they like you, and then they can post on your, on your, on your page. And I had people posting pictures of their brand new weapons, pictures of, look at all the guns I got. I mean, a guy would lay out 30 rifles on his bed and say, look at all these guns I got. Well, unbeknownst to you, Facebook has the algorithms that what they do is they zero in on the weapon, and if, they, if the serial number is visible, they'll zero in on that and they'll copy that serial number and they'll tag your name to that serial number of the firearm. They'll also tag the date. They'll also tag your address if you were stupid enough to give it in your profile. And they'll tag your picture. They'll tag Everything's tagged on Facebook. Everything. It is a data accumulation system that far outshines anything that communist China ever dreamed up. So as soon as I started seeing these things, I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I took my Facebook page down. I said, that's it. I'm done. So you keep your mouth shut. Well, I hope I gave you some information that you can use or want to use. And I, I read to you the email that I sent out about survival enterprises and, and how we've been attacked again uh, now by the financial institutions and the banking system, and that uh, we can't take credit cards. So if you come in the store, come in with cash, come in with gold, silver, or uh, I've had people trade me appliances for our products. I'm I'm open to it. My family has had a trading post for 200 years now, all over in Northern California. If you want to order online, you call us on the phone, pl- place your order. We can take your check over the phone. It's, it's really cool. It's a program the bank gave us. We type in all the data. We want your banking, your bank number, your routing number, and you, it's all on a check. Okay? It's on the check. The, the bank number is the left-hand side number. The routing number is the right-hand side number. And then you tell us what check number you want it to do because you've got to keep track of this stuff in your registry. We, did, we decide what the shipping is going to be and everything else, and then we print the check up with this program, and all we can do is deposit it. We can't do anything else. So we deposit the checks. And then after a certain period, and it could be anywhere from three days to seven days, I think it's five working days or three. I don't know what it, that's not my department. And then we mail your product out. If you come in the store, no checks. I've had to put a sign up. It says on the door, no ch- uh, cash only. And I don't like having that sign up. It, we have been getting, and I'm not exaggerating, a bounce check almost every day, if not every other day. Most of them are accidents. Somebody reads us the wrong routing number. Or they don't understand what number to give us and they accidentally, you know, it happens, stuff happens. But it adds a lot of effort to Angie's work. 
and we have had fraudulent checks. We have had we've had our share, and we're but it doesn't matter. We're going to stay in business. I got nothing else to do. We don't have a life. This is our life. We've been doing this for thirty five years, and I'm going to keep doing. It. I don't I don't believe in retirement. If I was to quote unquote, if we sold the business. If we sold survival enterprises, and believe me, this is a money maker. If somebody really wants to come in and and, uh, and boost it up, then uh, that means I no longer do survival enterprises. That means then I do something else, like renovate old antique Volkswagens or old cars or old, you know something like that. I've done a lot of things in my life. Anyway, you want to uh, talk to us? You can give us a call. 310, that's the area code. Now, we used to have an office in Beverly Hills, and this is the number that was from Beverly Hills office. I'm keeping it. What the hell? You know, it's a, it's a good souvenir. So it's area code 310-295-9686. That's area code 310-295-9686. Our phones are open seven days a week. We answer them from 9 a.m. till 8 p.m. every night. And if we don't answer them, it's because we're doing something that, uh, you know, who knows what the hell we're doing. I could be at the casino. But we'll get back to you. And we'd be more than happy to help you out. This is trying times. I hate to say it, but as we all know, this is trying times. And what I'm not going to say is that trite statement. We're all in this together. Horse crap. The elite are not in this together. Bill Gates wants us all in it together so he can uh, alleviate the pain from Mother Earth by killing most of us with vaccinations. And I'm going to stay right on top of all that information and let you guys know as I can. So this is the Archer Survivalist. I'm signing off. Keep your nose in the air and your ear to the ground. And we'll talk later.